Hey there, Sean. Hey, Pierce. How's it going? It's pretty okay. All right. That means it's time for another episode of the It's Pretty Okay podcast. Let's do it. Let's start the show. from a young with a laid-back tongue. The aim is to succeed and achieve at 21. Just like Ringling Brothers, our days in a sound. Captivate the ass because the pros is profound. Do it for the strong. We do it for the meek. Boom it in your boom it in your boom it in your Jeep. Or your Honda or your Beamer or your Legend or your Benz. The rave of the town to your foes and your friends. Okay, Sean. So, uh, so Kevin Kevin has joined us this week. Oh. Hey, Kevin. Um, Max is off in... I don't know, Evergreen Lands or, or something. Gallivanting uh, around the frozen tundra. Yes. Um, so so we're recording this on Sunday, and this will come out Tuesday. And by that time, I am concerned that our University of Virginia will have lost two times to schools from, from North Carolina in basketball. Oh, yeah. Um, I So I'm in, in Charlottesville. I'm still... I'm I'm still kind of recovering from my hangover from last night. I'm drinking uh coffee. Uh, I got some some beans from a roastery in uh in Kansas City. Their tasting notes are truck stop coffee from a utopian future. Oh. Um I'm enjoying that greatly. So uh shouts to oddly correct for that. Uh but I'm doing that uh because there was some uh sad commiserating drinking after uh, Duke, Duke University came to Charlottesville and uh, did something that no one thought they could do, which was make three pointers consistently uh, and and beat our beloved our beloved team. So I'm sure that all three of us experienced a wide range of emotions during the game. Well, that's – I mean I was smart and left at halftime to go to a lovely dinner because I know how this works. But I, you and Kevin presumably watched the whole well, thing. Well, you know what? Self-loathing is one of those emotions. Yeah. Uh, but I, I want to focus on, on one uh, because Duke is obviously known as the loathsome villains of college basketball. And they've they've been known as such for a long time. Uh, there there's been a trend recently, though, in the last you know five or six years, uh, where where Duke has started recruiting more of these freshman phenom one and done players, who are are sticking around and not sort of fully maturing into the fine sour wines that are Duke seniors, uh, hmm. and and as such. Uh, maybe Duke is not so hateable anymore. And I thought I was on that train, too, until yesterday. Oh. Um, and I, I'm, I'm not – I don't want to be too much of a prisoner of the moment. Uh, mm-hmm. But my – you know, I really didn't – I don't mean this because we all know that Grayson Allen existed and Austin Rivers before him. But I've had several moments in the two times that UVA has played Duke this year where I have genuinely been so blinded by rage that I was convinced that I had never hated a Duke player more deeply than I hate R.J. Barrett. Uh, Kevin, you're, you're nodding in agreement. I, I take it. Is, is R.J. Barrett, is that, the, is that the one for you at this point? Uh, I, I think with, like, Sean, I'm a prisoner of the moment, but... Uh, I I think I hate him because, kind of to me, he just he 
with Grayson Allen, like, it was obvious why you could hate him. Yeah. And I also just never really bought into him being that great. Whereas R.J. Barrett... He wasn't. Just, uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. He just keeps... He just kept making these shots that he's missed all year. And I don't, I don't know what it is. I can't really put it into words, which is... I know, poor but, for the podcast medium, but he, I, I, I'm kind of with Sean here. So here's here's why. Here's here's the biggest thing for me that, that really kind of sparked this in the moment. How much I hated R.J. Barrett and continue to hate R.J. Barrett reminded me that of all of these Duke stars over the last few years that I thought I didn't hate, I actually hated all of them. Yeah. Um, so the basically the only Duke players in the last six years that I haven't hated are Justice Winslow and Zion. So I think for me, um, and this is this is not to say anything. I will say nothing positive of Grayson Allen. <laughs> I will say I will say that if you told me here is a Duke player who stays all four years and and kind of is that he's really not that good, but he's you know hustle guy and whatever. And that that was almost refreshing because that's a Duke of of my my more youth or my actual youth, the, yes. the Duke I grew up with. Um, now the problem with Grayson Allen is he was a terrible person in a way that Correct. Like, JJ Reddick wasn't a terrible person. JJ Reddick wasn't tripping people on purpose repeatedly and getting suspended for it. Yes. So I, for me, you guys seem to be approaching Duke as like, yes, yes, I hate them. But for me, my reaction is less to the players. And in some ways, it's not the players. Like RJ Barrett, you know, he's he's annoying. I, you know, whatever. I, I don't really care. Tyus Jones, I really dislike, but it's more because just find him incredibly infuriating. What I'm reacting to, and the reason I don't like Duke, is because that old school. Well, get to that. You know, I uh, the it's Coach K, because to me, sure. he has completely sold out. The whole yes. mentality that yes. he's built everything on. He is foundationally corrupted his model. And I just can't uh-huh. – on a principle, I will not accept that. And so it, it's unfair to the players, but I will not accept this Duke team. I find it to be a fraud, and, and I stand by that. So let's, um, let's stipulate yeah. a couple things first. Um, I will grant uh, – I've – uh, as as my as my department in my office has grown and shrunk and regrown over the last few years, I found myself working alongside several Duke and Carolina people, who are all lovely folks, mm-hmm. um, and and <clears throat> obviously the the Duke alumni have a a different perspective on Duke basketball and Coach K than I do, and a lot of that is informed by. Uh, their perception of Mike Shevsky as someone who does good works, who is the face of charity giving, and I, that's that's all fine, that's all well and good. But you are one hundred percent right about this, and I yeah. detest Mike Shevsky. Before we dig too much into Coach K, I think we should, I think we should continue. Let's let's backtrack a little bit on the players because I think this will feed into what's changed about Coach K. Yes. So in case you have not been a student of Duke basketball over the last 
35 years I or almost 40 wow almost 40 now so I think if I remember correctly uh, Kay was hired for the 1980 season um, Duke is a small wealthy private school in Durham North Carolina and so built on tobacco money sure yes um, so already not a good thing um, mm-hmm. but Kay was this disciple of Bobby Knight. He was a, he went to West Point. He played under Knight when Knight was coaching at Army. Um, and, and so he had this whole approach that was predicated on hard nose, slap the floor, man defense. You stay four years, you grow and become a man. You're part of the Duke Brotherhood, and you're, you know, you grow as a, a player and a person. To the point where, like, he was, you know, there was a, I, I wasn't really particularly conscious in 1996, but uh, around that time, there were there was, like, the first Duke players who went, like, really early, who left, you know, I think after one or two seasons. Um, Corey Maggette was one, and, and he was really unhappy about that. But, yes. Him and Elton Brand, I think, in the same year, which would have been more like 99, 2000. It was a little bit later. So the particular guy that I was thinking of, I think, is William Avery. Um, oh, okay. But the the classic Duke player, the Duke bad guy, is a white guy who was a good basketball player but was probably not super highly regarded as a recruit. But because of the ineffable magic of duke basketball he got elevated to this status where we were told to believe that this was someone who was you know a a future hall of famer it happened with danny ferry and then christian leitner and then uh trajan langdon and then um well i'm not gonna i'm not gonna uh, beat down on Jay Williams too much because motorcycle crashes are sad. Uh, yes. But then Greg Paulus and John Shire and on and on until Grayson Allen. And Grayson Allen was really and truly he was the pinnacle. I, I, I will submit that in the all-time pantheon, no one was ever a more truly detestable dookie than Grayson Allen. Grayson well, Allen, here's here's why. Christian Leitner had this reputation as being a hothead. But he was also, it was one of those things where he was just like a super competitive guy, and he was kind of a dick to his teammates. Grayson Allen did what you mentioned earlier. He w- went on a run of tripping guys. He mm-hmm. got suspended indefinitely for one game. Um, uh, most memorably for us, I think, were know a a blatant travel to win a game against Virginia uh two or three years ago and then uh last year when uh when UVA won at Cameron for the first time in forever Mm -hmm. uh, there was he tried to trip Kyle Guy and then when Kyle Guy tried to help him up off the floor he swatted his hand away and and I, I saw the replay. I saw it on, on YouTube the other day. He was very clearly, he was crying um, because he's a bitch. Um, but Grayson Allen, was, I, 
you know, I think what happened is that Mike Shashevsky realized that he hit the pinnacle. He could do no better <laughs> than Grayson Allen. And yeah. so he sold out. Well, and, <laughs> I mean, he sold out during the race. Right, my, yeah. I know. I'm, I'm trying to build a narrative here, damn it. I realize that my timeline is a little off. But, you know, in the one and done era, uh, f- at least for the first couple years, it seemed like Duke was going to continue to stubbornly resist the the trend of, you know, other major college programs. I'm like, we're not going to recruit the one-and-done guys. We're still going to get it done with John Shire and Brian Zubek. Um, yeah, and, and Kentucky was doing the – that was when Kentucky was oh, first yes. getting going. Oh, yes. So we had, you know, in, in, the, in the very self-righteous sports media, we had this perfect narrative of virtuous Mike Shevsky positioned against uh, scuzzy greaseball John Calipari – who was building a whole team of one and dones to the point where he had to platoon them one year to get mm-hmm. everyone some playing time. Um, yeah. But uh, Kay sold out and Kay started recruiting, you know, he started recruiting the Zions. He started recruiting, you know, Austin Rivers, uh, Jaleel Okafor and Tyus Jones. Um, and Duke sucks now. Duke is just no, like, it's so, it's tough. It's tough for me. Here's what's tough for me. I don't want to hate Duke anymore because I don't even want to give them any attention. I'm I'm bored by what Duke does. So uh, the thing uh, I I will I will stop you at the point of like and and maybe maybe you'll disagree, Kevin. I would ask you the thing about Grayson Allen for me is I I do think that he's it because some of the principles are i think of of duke or he he goes off the rails by being an outward jerk like that it's one thing christian leitner being maybe being overly competitive tripping people is is bad and and crying on the floor about stuff is is bad as opposed to like oh you know just a true competitor no that's not competitive but uh, kevin i think that and maybe you'll feel the same way as me maybe both of you will but what was your view of duke growing up i mean i think there's a certain type of person who hated them but what was your feeling on the duke aura so to speak yeah i um i didn't watch a ton of college basketball outside of outside of the tournament when i was a kid Mm -hmm. and i was also uh as as been discussed before i was you know in the uh early days of internet forums and stuff yeah so my opinion was completely based off that and they were they were all in the Duke, uh, like just making fun of them because they had like these white guys who draw chargers and such. Yeah. So, I kind of, I kind of went along with the joke, and then, mm. you know, when I went to UVA, then it kind of just became a given that, um, it for like for a while, it wasn't for any real reason other than like, I was just buying into the hate Duke train. But now I have uh, enough experience to, um, I guess, have other reasons to hate them. Yeah, I, I mean, I I'll admit that I grew up really enjoying Duke, and I and I bought the the thing Coach K was selling, which is my guys stay four years and they work really hard, and even Jay Williams, who left early but got his degree, and he made a you know made a big deal about that. You know, people like Carlos Boozer, these are people that like I I, I admired, and you know, I read a, I read a Coach K book at one point, I believe. Oh, wow. 
Um, I I really thought they were they were great, and I remember watching Duke play Maryland, and that kind of tripled down my hate of Maryland because they were just <laughs> so terrible to do. I'm like, you're jealous that that JJ Redick is a really good player, and I remember thinking when JJ Redick kind of came in the league and there wasn't a place for him in Orlando. I'm like, you need to play this guy. He's really good, and he's you know a smart dude who who has worked hard. I've watched it, and so when they do stuff like Kevin. Last year, when we went to Cameron and won, what was the defense that befuddled uh, UVA and Isaiah Wilkins kept missing shots? I mean, it was it was his own. Ah, you know, Sean, what is what is Duke basketball? What is it built on, or at least used to be? Well, I, I know Bob Knight is not dead, but uh, wherever Bob Knight was when Mike Shashevsky went to his own defense, he rolled over. Uh, yeah. Because <laughs> until essentially until 2017, the idea of the Duke men's basketball team playing a zone defense in under any circumstance ever was unthinkable. It and was Kevin, an absolute impossibility. It would be like Beheim playing man. Yeah, and and Kevin, who who plays zone defense? Syracuse. No, no, no. Who who do you know personally who plays? Uh, uh, zone defense third graders oh yes third graders <laughs> yes third graders <laughs> it's just and that's and that's what i mean is like i get it you know he he sold i think it's there's a certain level of he has so much pride and he wants to be the best he wants uh, coach k that is that he couldn't allow john calipari to become this guy he says you know this is just the system now and i'm gonna lead it and so coach k has to like uh you know you know, backwards configure the fact that, oh, I'm changing, but like, I'm still better at this thing. He has to be the best at all of it. And s- somehow he's been given enough leash that you know, not that many people mind that he has given up all his principles. The other thing I would point to is that um, Lance Thomas, who is still in the league somehow, I think, he's been playing for, I think he's been playing for the Knicks like the whole time. But he was, I remember vividly, he was one of the first Duke players to have a visible tattoo. Um, because the thing was, Coach K always told them, if you get one, I'm going to get one too. And so they wouldn't do that. And Lance Thomas got one his last year at school because he was like in graphic design or something. Why would they and they not he just call him it. on it? Uh, I, I don't, because, because he <laughs> sold, know, you he know sold I mean? this. He sold this thing of like, uh, you know, no one wants to, you know, I'm I'm a father figure to you. You wouldn't make your dad get a get a tattoo because you got one. And they 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 bought into it. And now if you're if you're Zion or Brandon Ingram or or RJ Barrett, what are you buying into? Like this is just a stopover, and I'm going to play for the best coach and not play a a thoughtful system. I'm just going to go be great, right? Yeah, and I. That's for me part of it. I know we said we'll dive a bit more into Coach K, but yeah, I, going to a zone defense because your team is too lazy to play hard man-to-man defense. Mm-hmm. That's not that's not good coaching, and yeah. you can only do that if you have uh, and do that and do it okay if you have NBA players. Yeah, and uh, I just. I don't think anything that he has done in the past, uh, you know, six years has been great coaching. As a, I mean, recruiting is part of college basketball, and yeah. but then and even then, like 
how what is he doing with recruiting? I just can't imagine him like going to, to these houses and like him connecting with these kids. It's just like the Duke, oh no, the Duke aura and such. It so was all Jeff. It, it really annoys me because I don't think I don't I don't see how you can you can you know he's a good coach because he was a good coach, but I don't think that means he is a good coach now. Mm. I see. What you're yeah, saying. and I don't even think he's a good recruiter. It was all Jeff Capel and now LeBron. He's <laughs> that that's so that's the other thing that that we haven't talked about with with Coach K is that Coach K has very clearly been using his position as the U.S. Olympic basketball coach as a way to develop connections to NBA stars, most notably LeBron, and then absolutely leverage the hell out of that in recruiting players. I mean, it's it's yeah. really... It's blatant. I mean, look... look LeBron James was at the game. He was in Charlottesville. LeBron James yeah, has never been to Charlottesville, Virginia before. I guarantee it. That's that's yeah. the only yeah. thing that upset me last night. He probably night landed a helicopter on JPJ yeah. and then the, like walked in and the, flew out. That is the only thing that upsets me last night. Like we lose we've I've been you know, UV has lost to Duke my entire life. It's the fact that LeBron, who I you know, have have been watching you know avidly since I was what thir- twelve or thirteen years old. He came into to my building, my my home for four years, and saw us just lose and not. I, I wanted him to see the best of us, and yeah, he's 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 an ambassador for for Coach K, and and uh, I'm not I'm not jealous that that Tony Bennett doesn't have that because I'm really proud of the system he's put in and the the yeah. people that that come out of it. They feel as maybe that's part of it is you go to Duke like maybe we have people who you know we have friends or whatever that went to Duke and sometimes it irritate us because they went to Duke but they're a Duke <laughs> person. And you know I feel like Tony Bennett the way you know he coaches and everything I feel like yeah that's that's the UVA thing that it's it all connects but the way the Duke basketball team is now is a disconnection from what I think of as the Duke person, um, for better and for worse in some ways. But yeah, I think that that, that for me, that's kind of the heart of it is there's this huge disconnect and he's done it by selling out the principles of, of the, you know, his whole shebang. Yeah. I mean, look, Kay, I, as far, <clears throat> as far as I can tell, has always been a little prickly. Uh, I, I have vivid memories of uh, my third year in, in February 2013 when uh, we beat then number three Duke in JPJ. Uh, Joe Harris had the game of his life. He scored 36 points. We led wire to wire. Uh, whichever Plumley was playing at the time, Akil Mitchell absolutely destroyed him. It was a whole thing. And uh, after the game... Uh, in the in the fracas that resulted from uh, a well-deserved court storming, uh, yeah. Oh, the I guess the the sort of stadium security personnel uh, didn't form their protective line quite quickly enough, and there were students sort of milling about the court. And I could see from the press area, like somebody uh, somebody got a little too close, and Kay kind of shoved UVA students. He was a real dick about it in the press conference after, um, and and that was that was the I think that was the moment that really solidified for me that I was uh, that I had soured on Mike Shashevsky, but I also I, I also vividly remember the moment 
that the switch flipped for me, and I realized that I hated Duke because <coughs> I grew up. I grew up on college basketball, but I also grew up loving underdogs. So I would say my approach to Duke was maybe more benign indifference than anything. Um, I, I I took Adam Morrison's side in the who's better, Reddick oh, yeah. or Morrison feud. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I was, for the record, I was wrong. Uh, but I I distinctly remember just like my first burst of consciousness uh, the moment that Danny Green put his testicles in Greg Paulus's mouth. <laughs> it was, it was a spiritual awakening. It was a beautiful moment. Greg Paulus tried to take a charge on the fast break, and Danny Green said, "You're gonna have to do a little better than that." Um, and jumped so high that his full groinal area was right in Paulus's face. And it was just it was poetry. I never understood what poetry was before that moment. Um and and so that was kind of that was when the switch flipped and I, I was starting to think, you know, I, I thought as the Austin Rivers era gave way to the Grayson Allen era, I yeah. thought I actually thought that my hatred for Grayson Allen specifically was so great and so separate that I didn't actually hate Duke. I just hated Grayson Allen. But this this team, this current team, has mercifully has come along and reminded me that, no, that is not the case. I despise Duke University's basketball team. Um, and, and I think I will for the rest of time, or at least until they fade off into irrelevance. Yeah, um, I, I don't know that that will ever happen oh no it it will it it will eventually happen yeah that's like saying that the patriots will somehow fade into irrelevance at some point well no i'm i'm not sure that tom brady will ever die because i'm not sure that Uh. tom brady is actually a human i am i am confident that mike krzyzewski is a human who will at some point retire or or god forbid die on the bench um as he's he's berating a referee yeah i i I mean do i i think for me it it you know as as someone who you know saw tony bennett come come to uva and is is really seen that that whole this whole thing play out and and grow it it it, my you know kind of in inverse proportion that my hatred have had duke has grown because it's really been in some ways along that same timeline um, so I feel more and more justified as I'm like, no, this is how it should be. And in many ways, I think for me, the way we do it at UVA now, or, or Tony Bennett does it, is it does remind me a lot of how Duke did it then. You had people staying for, for four years. It, defense is a really big deal. I wish we made more free throws, which is something that hmm. was really big for them. Um, and even down to stuff like as, as looking up before this, you know, Coach K had the fist, which are five principles that he told everybody. Uh, Tony Bennett has his five pillars. Um, I think that our team is a little more pious than than maybe Coach K was. But <laughs> um, it's just it, it really has that again, it has that thing where I feel like the UVA teams, these basketball players feel like people who are, um, you know, part of the university. I feel like they're 
relatable people as as you know sean they're going to the same taco shops as us yeah i don't know that i don't know that zion williams williamson is going to the same taco shops as as uh you know the duke folks that was maybe a bad answer because i'm pretty sure zion williamson is going to all of the taco shops that duke students well, are going to i don't he's he's <laughs> probably not going to classes anymore as of you sure. know a month ago that's, so that's and fair. that's just you yeah, know and I, he deserves he deserves to get his money, and I wish <laughs> Coach K was giving him some of his money, um, just as I think the UVA players deserve to to get money right. for what they're doing. Um, but yeah, that that's that's it for me. Is is like I really appreciated Duke growing up for for those things, and I'm happy to see UVA in many ways doing it now. But it irks me so much that that you know, yeah. So I, I on one hand. Um... I don't necessarily hate them more for doing the one and done thing from it, it's, it's not coach K's fault. If he's decides or coach K is allowed to say like, okay, what am I supposed to do? Just not recruit these guys. Like, I don't, I doubt they'll stay longer, but like, I don't know, but like on one hand, Tony Bennett I want, right. I want to give, I want to give coach K the option to uh, redefine things that he thinks is, uh, you know, redefine his his uh, credentials or whatever, and yeah. um, but he's just he's so prickly about about everything. It, it, like it, I have no reason to believe that it's this like deep new belief system he has. It's just Maybe. anytime like someone asks him something in the interview, he's just like, if it's a if it's something that kind of attacks it, he's just like, that's just a ridiculous question. Yeah. <laughs> and anytime someone does something well, he's like you see that like unbelievable player out there like yeah. it's all the players it's like yeah we know that but like pop has been credit. rubbing off on him yeah yeah and maybe, well maybe. and then then of course there's the lingering kobe of it all oh. which is so it's funny it brings all of these pieces together it ties in k's olympic tenure it ties in uh the the one and done structure it ties in john calipari who worked out kobe bryant when he was uh, the coach of the Nets. I think the I think the problem that we're we're kind of referring to is not that Kay is recruiting guys who are going to stay for one year and then go to the NBA. It's that so many of these guys he's gotten idolize fucking Kobe Bryant. It's just that's, it's disgusting. It's disgusting. Every like. Jason Tatum is doing it in the NBA now. Kyrie's doing it in the NBA now. Every yeah. time someone calls, like I, I'm, I'm a relatively calm person most of the time. I think I don't actually want to, I don't want to do violence. But like every time someone calls R.J. Barrett the Maple Mamba, I just want to cave his face in. <laughs> I want to punch him so bad. You, you, you also keep saying, uh, you know, you talked about him going to the Bulls. If he, you, you, he might end up being a future Pelican, depending on how the trades. I don't want to talk about it. But no, I, yeah, that that is the problem. You know, he made a bunch of threes last night. Kobe never made threes. I mean, he would take a lot of threes. But well, he these guys don't ever make threes. They made them last <laughs> yeah. night. I, I just, yeah. I, I mean, I think that's the problem because Kobe is. You know, what, what do I think of when I think of Duke? What do I think of when I or the old Duke? What do I think of when I think of UVA? These are teams. These are teams, not individuals. Yes. Duke has become a thing of individuals. Kobe is is you know 
He Kobe thought he was acting like Michael Jordan. At the end of the day, Michael Jordan passed the ball to Steve Kerr. Kobe is never passing the ball, and these Duke teams are not passing the ball. Um, there's no, I mean, yeah, they have the, the Jones fellow, the, the point guard, but now if RJ Barrett gets the ball, he's shooting it. He's not passing it. Same thing for Zion. And you know, maybe that's it. The, the loss of teams is makes me upset because that's what I love about college basketball is. The teams that are the underdogs in the tournaments, the the Stephen F. Austin. Oh, I don't like the under. I don't like the underdogs well, in the tournaments. I, I mean, I think it's fun You're when no a fun, team, Kevin. a team of of the, you know senior players, are are playing together really well and not as indiv- as individuals. So Duke's but, and Kentucky, and that and that you know that I think that puts a nice bow on it because it's also the reverse of that is the exact thing that we are so proud of with the way Virginia basketball has turned itself into I mean it has turned itself into an elite program over Tony Bennett's tenure but it's done it by to date never straying from principles by always putting the team concept first and finding guys who are not out for me and I could just like I think we can only hope that you know that that should we not draft him to become governor of Virginia uh, and fix all of our problems that he'll coach <clears throat> that he'll coach at UVA forever and continue to do this and not sell out his principles like Mike Krzyzewski did. Yeah, yeah, but there uh, there is a bit of along with this some of the hatred is very. Uh, is jealousy driven in the sense that they just keep beating us and it's so annoying. <laughs> no, yeah, because, no doubt about it. <laughs> because, uh, like, if you go back, they haven't won a uh, they haven't won the uh, regular season yeah. since I think JJ Redick, and um, you know they've had they've had their share of losing to 15 seeds. I think it's happened twice, um, and and uh, early early tournament exits, but also they just. They like they were tied with Boston College at halftime, and they like play these lazy games. And they just every time they play us, they just get up for the game and uh, win more often than not. And it's just it's 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 very frustrating at this point. <laughs> yep, I hear that. I would I would love to win more of these games soon. Hopefully, yeah. I, I also yeah I also do think it's kind of it's pretty ironic that the I guess the last championships they won one was with uh, Brian Zubek and. And, com- and Kyle Singler and company, and the other was um, with Julia Lovefor and Tyus Jones and Justice. Well, Winslow. yeah, well, and in that first year, that was the first, that was the John Wall Kentucky year, so it was kind of. Uh, <laughs> but then also, but in the one where they won with Tyus Jones, who was the hero of the game? It's Grayson Allen in the second half, or in, maybe he kept him in the game in the first half. I can't remember. But All right, he had a string. Need, we need to wrap this up before I throw something through my wall in anger. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, Duke basketball, God. I I hate it so much. Uh, Tell us why you hate it. Yeah. Hopefully you hate it as much as we do. So come find us on Facebook or Twitter at Pretty Okay Pod and let us know what you think. All right. We'll move on now uh, before uh, before we have stress-induced aneurysms. Uh, and we'll, we'll move on to Pierce's sorry. Uh, what, yeah. what are you apologizing for today? So you, you both are familiar with my adoration of number one son's uh, pickles, 
kimchi, other fermented goods. Yes. Um, to the point that yesterday I went and had been a while and the, the, uh, the person who working at their tent at the farmer's market recognized me and recognized I hadn't been there in a while. So uh, a few weeks back, we had a work event at Rockland's Barbecue, which, Sean, you have not been to but have heard us complain about before. Uh, I it's, have. It's actually, it, it's actually pretty good. Um, and if, if you were to go now, they have a setup with Number One Sun, so they have their stuff in the condiments area, which is great. I think pickles at, at uh, barbecue places are always really fun. So we had a work event there, and I got really excited about this. Um, and so I got a bunch of little containers full of pickles, and um, I, I wanted to share them. And so this week, I'm sorry for sharing, because there is no, like, it was very awkward to go to my coworkers, who I don't really hang out with outside of work, and be like, hey, would you like to try some of these pickles and other fermented goods? Just because, like, how do you respond to that? Because a lot of people don't like pickles. And I was trying to share my joy with them. And I didn't think about the whole issue of maybe not everyone is as excited about pickles. So I'm sorry for putting them <laughs> in an awkward position by saying, would you like to try these pickles? Well, the yeah, way I you respond that... to that question is, no, you weirdo. Absolutely yeah. not. <laughs> so one thing you try maybe be like, Oh hey, these pickles! I think these pickles are really good with the barbecue, and then yeah. you just set it in front of them, I, and then let them. You don't have to ask them a question; you can just suggest it. I was blinded by joy and excitement. <laughs> I worry that you're going to take this as a, a re, uh, I, the lesson you're going to take from this is expunge all joy and excitement from my life. <laughs> I, I mean, that's that's what uh, Marie Kondo is about, right? take away all oh no, no only her, leave joy you ask something yeah you ask if something brings you joy. well this is the, the can we patent the, this is a new a new method a new approach to life yeah o- extract only the things that spark yeah. joy get rid of all of those well, you have to you have to find some eastern philosophy that <laughs> i mean that it comes from it's admittedly most people most most people are as we just talked about with talking about Duke. Most people are trash anyways, so this is just owning up to we are we are joyless and just trash humans. So, <laughs> so yeah. Uh, so we'll we'll close the show as we do with a big idea from pop culture. And uh, I know a few weeks ago uh, I mentioned the Beastie Boys book and how excited I was to start reading that. Uh, but I got derailed. I still haven't started it. Uh, instead. I, I purchased and read a book called Go Ahead in the Rain. Oh, yes. The writer Hanif Abdurraqib, uh, whose, whose work I enjoy a great deal, uh, wrote a book about a tribe called Quest. A- mm-hmm. And his experience, uh, the history of the group, uh, it, and then also telling that through the lens of his experience uh becoming acquainted to a tribe called quest as a, a kid in the 90s um and i just i'm blown away by how good it was it was incredible uh several of the chapters are um are, are kind of framed as letters to the different members of tribe called quest and in one instance uh five dogs mother mm-hmm. um but one of the uh, one of the things that I didn't realize was uh, the the fact that uh, Jay Dilla, the DJ and producer, was associated with 
tribe in the in the nineties before he died. And um, I, I was thinking about that. Uh, his what would have been his birthday was recent, um, but uh, one of the one of the letters um, just really knocked my socks off. He was he was writing a letter to Q-Tip. Uh, and, and talking about a time when uh, Tip's home burned down, and he made it out alive, but he lost, you know, he lost his record collection, and and presumably also lost some, you know, some some songs that he had been working on. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he he writes, "I miss Dilla, Tip. Don't you? Don't you hear him sometimes when you close your eyes at night, as I do?" If I could have one more year of him, I'd trade 100 of our finest geniuses. But not you, Tip. Did you know that Dilla went to the same hospital to die as Biggie did? Did you know that inside his hospital room, he uh, rebuilt an entire studio so he could finish donuts? Do you know the story of his mother? How when his hands were swollen and in pain from the disease taking over his body, she would massage them until the swelling went down so that he could finish working on the album? (sighs) And oh, what a joy donuts was for us, Tip. How Dilla gave it uh, gave it to us with one hand and then climbed his way to heaven with the other. I mean, just like the emotional depth. The emotional depth in this book is really great. It just it it blew me away as I was reading this. To you know, it it's the kind of writing that can only come from a place of really deep love, and it's one of the things I love the most when is when someone. You know, someone writes with authority and feeling about something that they love deeply. So if you like hip hop, um, if you love A Tribe Called Quest, or if, you, if you're if you like me and you really weren't quite that familiar with the group um, and you just, you like writing about music and, and you like, you know, uh, you like being kind of uh, introduced to someone's world, you know, I, I can't, I can't recommend it highly enough. Yeah. Um, there, uh, it, there are plenty of good reviews you could go read, but I'm, I'm uh, you know, you don't need to read them if you don't want to. You can just go buy the book because it's amazing. Yeah. Uh, Tribe Called Quest also is so great that um, there is a documentary made about them, and it will have you excusing Michael Rappaport for, for the duration of that. Uh, n- no, it won't because Michael Rappaport sucks. Well, you'll forget about how much he sucks, but no, that's uh, that's that that book sounds sounds like it's a good one. So it, it is it. it is excellent. Go ahead in the rain. Notes to a tribe called Quest. Uh, all right. On that note, uh, that is the end of the show. You can find us on Facebook or Twitter at Pretty OK Pod or at our home on the web www.prettyokpod.com. You can subscribe to our podcast feed on your device and your podcast app of choice. We're on Apple Podcasts. We're on Spotify. Uh, do that and then our episodes will show up right on your phone every tuesday without you having to go looking for us which is nice because who likes having to go look for stuff uh if you do that please do us a favor uh leave a rating review comment that sort of thing Uh, or just you know if if you know somebody who you think might be interested in what we're doing tell them about the show so we can share it with them as well We'll be back again next week, as always, to talk about something else. Until then, thanks to Kevin for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Uh, I'm Sean. I'm Pierce. Thanks for listening. Hey, yo, but wait, back it up. Easy, back it up. 
Please let the abstract embellish on the cut Back and forth just like a cameo song If you dig this joint then please come dance along To the music cause it's done just for the line Now I gotta scat and get mine Underline the jazz The what? The jazz to move that ass For the tribe originates that feeling of pizzazz It's a universal sound Bless the rubbers on the ground And the one six below You didn't have to go So say that I'm a sensei cause I once had an orgy And sometimes for breakfast I eat grits and porgies If this is a stinker then call me a stink I ask Now check it out, all my peoples in Queens, you don't stop Now all my peoples in Brooklyn, you don't stop And all my peoples uptown, you don't stop That includes the Bronx and Harlem, you don't stop Now to that girl Rommel, you don't stop I said because ladies first, you don't stop And to the JVs, you don't stop And they lost soul, you don't stop And to my brand new Beans, you don't stop And to my leaders of the new, you don't stop And to my man, large professor, you don't stop Rock for the beat, you don't stop. Everybody in the place, you don't stop. You keep it on to the rhythm, you don't stop. And last but not least, on the short shot, it's a Zulu.